And there we go. Welcome back to the next episode of Friday Night Counter Attack. We're in episode five now. I think we are actually. How's everyone doing? You okay? Back again. Feeling good, man. Feeling great. Can't complain at all. In a very good mood today. Not going to lie. Very, very good mood. It's a good time of recording as well. We're on week three of lockdown and the government's just stated that we're going to get some fans back to football stadiums. So that'll be a nice little refreshing sight to see in the UK. How's everyone been this week? Football's back, lads. I'll see you at uh, Gold's in the next few weeks. Got the pitch booked as well. Hopefully, man. Yeah, we're good. Be the team now. Oh, good. Man United got a good result over the weekend. Um, I know that game on Saturday at three o'clock. Um, I mean, Sal, do you know anything about it? Me? No, Sal. Sal. Sal? What, what happened, oh. sorry? That game on Saturday that happened at three o'clock. <laughs> Saturday, three o'clock. Oh, yeah, we got robbed. I know. I'll, I'll put it out there. What was the result? How many points did you get? I can't it, remember. Was it zero points? Yep. But we're still above you in the table. Oh, what, what, what happened to winning the league? I'm sure at the start of the season. We can, we can find that somewhere got, in the archives. We've got, more points. we've got more points. We've got more points at this stage than Leicester did at this stage when they won the title. Okay, Sal, one question for you. Are, you. are you winning the league, yes or no? That's, I mean, it's We've got a chance to win it. Unbelievable. It's too early to say. You said yes or no. Okay, well, no, but look, let's move on from that. Let's talk about Arif and his half and half scarf on the weekend. The heart was saying West Brom, the mind is saying United. And I guess, look, as a true glory fan, he won the top of the team that won. Listen, there's nothing half and half about me. I'm just straight, you Man United, straight in the blood, in the veins, in the mind, in the heart. There's no half and half about me. That's all I knew growing up. I only knew Man United, didn't know anything else. I didn't even know football existed. All I knew is Man United existed. He would have said that if they lost. Before I knew football existed, Man United, I knew Man United existed. That, that's, the, that's the extent of me. There ain't no half and half yet. Also, wait, just another point I'd like to say. I'm happy to be back after being out two weeks with the COVID-19. Welcome back, yeah. man. Thanks. Great to see you. Oh, yeah. And I just want to welcome Raheel as well. not being on podcast with him. Thank you very much, Sally. Good, good to be on a podcast with you, finally. Always. Always, mate. Oh, we're going to have some fun. This first episode of all six of us. I'm loving it so far. You know, I can feel the energy, man. It feels good today. Even though Saf was about half an hour late, but it's okay. You know, we learn from our mistakes in that right stuff. We learn oh. when we learn. Come on, Saf. Well, Saf's just in a different time zone, isn't he? So it's kind of... Like yeah, <laughs> That's brilliant. You would know being from Bradford. Let's keep moving. Yeah, I know. Me and Raheel are there at the moment, actually. For this week, Saf and Vish were discussing a topic between the rest of us on the group regarding, like, uh, the players' schedules. Like, we mentioned last week about how UEFA are treating their players like puppets, according to Tony Cruz. So, Saf and Vish, if you just want to tell us and tell the listeners what you think about how players are getting injured all, all of a sudden and how Liverpool are doing with injured players, how do you reckon it's going to go for the rest of the season with no break scheduled in until the winter break? Yeah, I'll, I'll start things off. And um, I just think that, you know, it's never going to stop this schedule. Um, it's football, it's modern day football. And players, unfortunately, have got to learn to deal with it. And if one gets injured, you know, the next player, the young player, will have to take the opportunity and grab that space and, you know, become a permanent name in that, in that team. Um, 
because if you look at the you know fixtures that have been happening recently, Tottenham, for example, Jose Mourinho was uh, you know complaining about his um, his team they were playing. I think they played in one week: Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Is that right? Is that I wouldn't right? know off the top of my head, but I remember they played like a Tuesday and a Thursday when it yeah, had a so, League Cup game and then a Europa League game away and then like a Sunday game as well. So it could have been like the Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday type thing. So, so unfortunately, like that's going to happen in football. And, you know, as hard as this sounds, players are just going to have to learn to deal with it because let's be honest, football is a very, very short career um, in terms of other careers that you can look at. Like if you're an accountant, you know, you're going to be an accountant for, you know, a good 15 to 20 years, maybe even longer. Um, with the football, it's, it's a totally different story, especially at the peak of your powers. Um, you know, when you, when you hit the age of 26 to 28, maybe maybe 26 to 30, you know, that's arguable. But you just got to learn to deal with it. And, you know, clubs like, you know, Man United, uh, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, you know, the big six, um, Aston Villa not included um, in that. They've got, you know, the best facilities, the best doctors um, to deal with that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's all I've got to say. Like footballers are going to have to learn to deal with it, unfortunately. And plus, you know, in a couple of years, we've got that, you know, World Cup in 2022, um, which is in winter. I think it's going to start. Yeah, it's in the wintertime, yeah. Yeah, it's going to start two years to this day or something. I, I read a message on Twitter this morning about it um and i just think with that in two years time you know that's going to change the schedule up even more and you you know premier league's gonna every league in, in the world's gonna change so you know we're just gonna have to players are just gonna have to deal with it and adapt to it and hope they don't get injured at the prime of their career go on sam what do you have to say about this yeah speaking from just a normal like obviously i'm not part of no um you know board where they sit there and schedule these games but obviously what I think is that there's there's a there's a way to beat it um and I, I think every every manager says the same thing they have the same they say they have the same saying every week that how can you play these players the managers have their chosen players that's that's just fact they have their chosen players but at the same time I think that's that's the best chance to give your, um, uh, forgot the word, the, you know, your um, homegrown talent, as in they say, you know, like uh, the, the academy players. I think, I think that's the best time to bring forward a few academy players and fit them in. So, you know, when the, you know, the big players of the, of the club need some rest and, you know, it's, it's not as big as of a game. I think that's where the uh, academy players would fit in and, uh, you know, that's how they will gain their experience as well. Um, but in terms of fixtures, as Vish said, it's not going to change. You can't change it because there's so many different competitions. You know, FA Cup, then, you know, got the League Cup, then, you know, Champions League, things like that. There's so many different competitions and the best teams obviously will want their best players to play and they won't sit them out. But at the end of the day, we have to always remember that they are human, they're not machines. They won't be able to play, you know, four games in one week. It's it's nearly impossible, nearly impossible. You can't you can't you can't make your star players play that many games in one week. Uh, I've seen Frank Lampard say 
Um, I heard Klopp say once or twice, um, even uh, Guardiola, people who come up with these schedules, they need to find that balance where obviously teams like, you know, the top six teams like, you know, City or Chelsea or uh, Liverpool or United, these top teams, they, they can't be allowed to make five substitutions because the, their depth is too good and it's not fair for the other teams. So obviously there needs to be some sort of balance where the, there's chance given to you know, prospering academy players and at the same time saving your star players and working with the schedule given. You know, there's got to be some sort of balance. It's hard. I mean, it's just a food for thought. Yeah, because on the flip side as well, you have you had what Jurgen Klopp the last season or two playing as reserves in the FA Cup and in the League Cup because he didn't value it because he was going for the Champions League and he's going for the title uh, in England as well. So even though people are like, oh, it's disrespectful to play the kids in the cup against the Saturn Nelva, he still won some of the games, but he lost to Aston Villa in that League Cup game. But it just goes to show that he prioritised the best way possible for Liverpool to win the league, which they did in the end, despite most of us being Man United fans here. And that's mm-hmm. how he did it. Ole's, Ole's playing Pogba against Rochdale and yeah. he gets injured for the, most of the winter, which makes no sense to me. He plays like he's injured anyway, so we're all right. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that's a bit harsh on Pogba. Yeah, that, that's true. I think, I think that's harsh. Pogba's world-class. You can't deny it. There no, it is. Disagree, mate. Disagree. With that game, I deny it. didn't he play like 90 minutes? Um, and he came back from an injury before that. Like, wasn't there like any you know, brains in the manager to say, he's just come back from a serious injury. Let's bring him on slowly and let him adapt rather than put him on for 90 minutes against Rochdale. Ooh, Vish, mm. any brains from the manager? You're a Man yeah. United fan. How do you feel about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer then? Do you reckon he'll be playing all of his players in the Well, basketball? the thing is, mate, when you're manager of Manchester United, you've got to win every game. Um, you know that's true. And yeah, but it's changed now. You've not, you've not really won anything like that. All right, so like stand up. Can you wow. stay out of it, please? That, 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 I'm that just being honest. We, like, no, but I think thing. that half the problem is that your expectations is too high. Because look at Mourinho. He did get you second. And obviously, it wasn't good enough for you lot. But he did the best he could. And now, look, it's just sort of being downhill. Like, you need to have a complete reshuffle of everything from upstairs. Oh, see, like down. You're saying, that, you know, you're saying the expectation has gone too high or whatever. But see... When you get into the top four, into the Champions League, as a big club, what's your next priority? Your next priority isn't, all right, we're going to stay in the Champions League. We're going to go for top four. Your next priority as a big club should be, all right, now is time for us to improve, to push for the title. Soon as but even the then, it was lucky, it was lucky that you were in the top four. Last season, I'm going to be thinking the same thing. We need to push for the title now. That's the, that's the next step. Okay, so but then how did you push then? Chelsea pushed. Liverpool sort of signed a few players. Man City, they don't really look that good this season but how did you push then this, you this is what I'm saying to you this is what I'm saying to you with me as a man United fan don't get me wrong don't get me wrong I think Ollie's not I don't think Ollie's the man for the job but I said to you all this is not going to change till the board change because this is what they love doing Ollie got fourth and they didn't bring nobody in as in player was what he wanted for him to build on that and go for a touch push they did the same with Mourinho they did the same with Van Gogh. You look at all these three managers this season, they got in the top four in the summer following. The board didn't back them with what they, with the players they wanted to. 
I think I think if if you if you lot back I think if you lot back Mourinho because he was the best chance of you lot winning a no, title. No, that's, that's that's what I said as well. But they were Mourinho players. I'll be honest with you. My opinion is don't get me wrong. Mourinho had his faults here and there as well. But yeah, these yeah. players these players were Mourinho players. You look at his track record and where he's gone. He's won everywhere he's gone. Why? Is because it's the players buy into what he wants. And Man United, there weren't many, there weren't enough players that wanted to do that. And the issue as well was the players that he wanted to get rid of. The club was saying to him, "No, we need to keep these players." But then, as soon as they sacked him and they brought Ole in, Ole said, "We need to get rid of the same players." And the, the board backed him. They got rid of him. So they were unfair on Mourinho, and it looks like he's going to prove them wrong. But it's just a problem with the board. I think, regardless of who the we get. The question is though. Right here, I'm asking you the question is, yeah, but why aren't the board backing these managers? It's not just been one manager, it's been two or three. Like, because when it comes they, to they, actually fully backing well, them, no, why aren't they doing it? You can't say they're that. They have backed managers. No, this, but this LBG was backed. No, but this one is, you know, you know, standing, when, when Van Gaal took over, we were in a bad situation that David Moyes left us in, yeah? When Mourinho took over, we were left in a bad situation that Van Gaal left us in. Same with Ole, yeah? But that's the thing. These these managers have come in, respect given to them. They've come in and they've got Man United back into the Champions League when they weren't in the Champions League. But this is what I'm saying. They're not backing these managers once they've gone to the top four. Why? Because as long as they get their pay from the Champions League and from UEFA, they're happy. They're not willing to go out there and push on for a title race because they're happy with just us getting top four. And yeah. That's, the big you, that's what I mean. Like they're waiting the for the right man to come in now. Sorry. Do you think they're waiting for the? Do you think they've they've got a manager in mind that they actually want, and they're waiting I, for? I don't to think so. Back? I I think regardless of who, no, but see, this is the issue. They're spending money, but it's like they're setting up the they're they're setting up the manager to fail. Why? Because Woodward is also working with the Glazers. Woodward is not a footballing man. He knows nothing about football. He's purely a businessman. Why is he having a say in what players we should get? I'm sure everyone will agree with me. See, yeah, is that, like, there is no I, way you can put a man in charge of transfers who has no track record of negotiating deals, footballing deals anyways. It just doesn't make no sense whatsoever. See, the thing is, you can blame the board all you want, but like, you've got to look at the football on the pitch as well. Like, No, I see that. And uh, like I said, the manager isn't good enough yet. We, we know Ali's not good enough, but think about it now. If you look at it from a perspective, not just being a Man United fan, you come in and look what he's doing with the manager who's got no experience at a big club like that. He's come in and he's done a decent job. I'm not saying he's smashed it for us. I would definitely say decent, yeah. He's come in and he said it's triple F. Yeah, I'm going to explain. Let me finish. He goes back into the top four. We've had big wins as well, yeah? But if you look at the state of the club once Mourinho went... It was it was full on toxic. The players didn't want to play. That's the way they were playing. It was like they didn't want to play. Raheel, Ole, just a Ole quick one. In. Just a quick one though. Maybe do you think controversial or not? But maybe the situation that Fergie left you in was the ultimate problem. I know it was a title-winning team that he left you with, but do you no, think Fergie would win the title again? I don't see. I think he would have because this this is this is where it comes. Ben with Fergie, it's a different, completely different ball game because he didn't even need the big money from the board. With him. As soon as Wenger came, Wenger gave him a challenge. He won a few titles, but Fergie overtook him back. Yeah. Soon then Wenger, the, as soon as the Wenger hype died down, Jose Mourinho was in turn. It was the same situation with him. Rafa Benitez tried it for a couple of seasons. Same situation with him. Fergie was in the league of his own. There will be no manager that can dominate the Premier League like that. Because we're seeing it now. Since Fergie's gone, look how many different title winners there've been. You've had Leicester who have won it. You'll have Chelsea who's won it. 
You've got Man City. Yeah, but Chelsea's won, a few, Chelsea's won a few, to be fair. Yeah, no, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it'll change. No club will just dominate the title for like three, four years with the way Fergie did. But obviously, we, we can't put Fergie and Oli in the same conversation. He's nowhere near that level. And people do give him a lot of stick. But the way I see is he's a Manchester United fan. He's a player for them. They've given him the job. Who's not going to accept it? If Man United come to me and say, you're the manager, I'm going to accept it all with open arms. And he's doing what he can do. But like I said, the board's not backing him enough. And don't get me wrong, he's not a perfect manager. I know he gets it wrong in the pitch. Sometimes team selection, he gets it wrong. And I was one of them that was saying he needs to go. But in the end, I think over a period of time, it's made me realise it's, it's, nothing is going to change. You might play a bit more better football on the pitch, but you need a change from the top. If, you, if nothing's going to change from the top, you can't really change much at the bottom, can you? You can take some players out and bring some players in, but what really is going to change, I don't think, I can't see us competing for the title until we've got this board in charge. Because as soon as we get in the top four position and we need to push on, that's it. They're not interested. <clears throat> and then, sure, we had one of the um, best managers, we had one of the best managers ever in Jose Mourinho, and it was, it's, it was the same story. You're 100% right. It doesn't matter what kind of, what manager we get in, if we've got this same exact board, it's going to be like that now. Because it's, it's a cycle, and I'll tell you how it's been from every manager's cycle. The manager comes in, he gets us top four, he doesn't get backed. The season after we finish out of the top four, they sack him. That happened with Van Gaal, that happened with Jose Mourinho, and that's going to happen with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You'll see it. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm proven wrong. I really hope I'm proven wrong, but let's be honest, none of us can see United going on and winning the title. Yeah, it's not going to be a title or top four season for you this year. I'll be honest. No, top four, we could, top four, we can potentially. No, I think we can get top four. Come on. Nah, I no, think I think you were lucky. I think you were lucky to get top four last year just because of how Leicester fell apart. You we weren't lucky. We just played great. We, we, well, we just we just had a great. No, but I, I wouldn't say Leicester fell apart because on the last day of the season nah, we went to we went to their no, but stadium. Leicester fell apart. No, was, whoever, like, no, but I think after Project Restart, I think I think Leicester won like what two games or something. Like they were, it, it was just not right. Like if. But then, that's, 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 look, that's like, it's, it's done. It? It's done. Look, it's done. Last that's season. Football done. though, that's football, man. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Last season, you have done. to you be playing better than everyone else to win the title. I mean, everyone, yeah, else, no, everyone below that, you is was, not playing as good as you. It's just football. It wasn't. It wasn't more that you got the top four. It was more that Leicester lost the top four. No, this is how I saw it. No, I disagree. Oh well, well, you'll find out this season when you don't get top four. Then you'll come back to this. Yeah, well, I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm not saying top four is guaranteed, but you can't write us off from top four completely. No, it's I'm very, not. I'm saying, I'm saying that we've, we've probably got more chance of top four than you lot. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> you do want to talk about Saturday, man. What happened Saturday? Yeah, but okay, let me get the Premier League title up, uh, table up. And then Against we'll Brighton. Was it Brighton? Did you just say was title? Their, was that their first win of the game? Was that their first win of the uh, of this this uh, Premier League? I think it was their first win of the uh, season so far. And it was against you, lot. Top four. Wow, you were, you were pushing for the title, but now it's just top four. Wait, wait in the race. Oh, he's pulling, he's pulling out his table. He's pulling out his table. Right. We've got, moving on. We've got nine minutes before Salim has to leave. So we'll do the five-a-side uh, Premier League because the Premier League is back again. And we're doing, what, under 23s this week? So yeah. go, go, we'll go for Vish first. Vish can go first. Me? Yeah, I'd go say we've got Sal first because he's uh, back after a few weeks. So let him kick things off. Yeah. So go on, then. Sal, go for it. Just to, confirm, just to confirm, the players can be 23, right? 23 or under. 
Yeah, that's fine then. So I've gone for Dean Henderson in net for his performances last season. And then I've got Joe Gomez just sat in front of there. It was a hard choice for me. It was between Gomez and Ndidi, but I thought I'd go for a proper centre-back. And then I've got, um, say, Maximan on one side and Foden on the other. And then Havertz off, up top. So, yeah, great team. Entertaining team. Fun team to play, I'd say. Havertz in the middle with, say, Maximan. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't, for, in terms of strikers, there wasn't like anyone that really stood out. So I thought Havertz probably do the job for me up top. For me, for me, I need there's one striker I'd, I'd go for. So, again, we're going for Man United's number two, Dean Henderson at the back. Then I'll throw some honourable mentions at the end. But for me, I'd Fikayo Samori. I thought his quality as a centre back again, yeah. bench forming for Chelsea at the moment, unfortunately, but I'd rather see him playing. Then you've got Bukayo Saka. I think he's outstanding. The maturity he's shown in this game at the moment is fantastic. And I think he'll be at Arsenal for years to come. Then we've got Christian Pulisic. I think is quite fun to watch. It'd be someone you wouldn't want to play against on a five-a-side pitch. And then the striker I was mentioning before was Mason Greenwood. I'm pretty sure one or two of us will have Mason Greenwood in their team going forward. But left foot, right foot, doesn't matter what foot, Raheel 2020 from last week. I think it was more Raheel 2019 that. It was last week. I remember. I don't know when. Oh, that... no, he's been saying it. He's been saying it for years that left foot, right foot. What. He was going to get it printed on his top or something. Even though it's a bit childish, but no, not all of us has. Not all of us can have two foot strikers in the Premier League. But yeah, it's all right. I mean, all our strikers have got two feet. So I'm not sure about you. Uh, shall we? I'll I'll give my team then. Yes. Yeah, so in goal, I've gone Dean Henderson again. Obviously, three three out of three so far from us. So we know exactly why. Um, the back, I also went for Fikayo Tomori. I think brilliant player we've seen from last season from Chelsea. Um, obviously he's not getting much game time but I feel like he deserves it he had a good season last season he's good coming out with the ball as well as staying back and obviously defending so obviously on a five-a-side pitch I think he'd be brilliant going up and down um, in the middle I've gone for Phil Foden I think mm. quality player very very good player for me as a United fan it pains me obviously he plays for City but watching him is that day for England as well all you can do is just watch the guy and admire the football he's playing moves the ball quickly brilliant silky player I think, don't get me wrong, I think David Silva is a brilliant player for City, but I think Phil Foden is filling that void in coming in so mm. far. So, yeah, Phil Foden. And then I've also gone for a front two kind of thing with uh, Mason Greenwood, see for obvious reasons that you guys mentioned. And there's one that you're all sleeping on, and that's Marcus Rashford, 22 years of age. Brilliant. No, I wasn't sleeping on him. I knew he was. Prime Minister, MBE, Dr. Marcus Rashford. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't mentioned so far, but Rashford he was. He, he was part of my honourable mentions. He has to be the best player that's under 23 in the Premier League, and that's a fact. Yeah, I can't see why anybody look past that, but I think so for what he's done as well. Play, he, can, he can play on the left and up front as well. Played through injury for probably most of last season and was still one of our top goal scorers. And obviously doing what he does at PSG. Then you could just say that Calvert-Lewin's probably a better out-and-out striker than him. I don't know. Mm. No, but probably as a, as a, as a number nine, probably, yeah. It's, that's probably a good argument to have. As a, as a number nine itself, yeah, but this is what makes Rashford so good. At the age of 22, he's well, still learning a lot. He can come in on the left. He can play as your main striker as well. It basically makes the manager's job a lot more easier when picking this team. It's crazy how he's yeah. still 22, man. When you say he's 22, yeah, it's quite yeah. crazy it's man. By the way, my honourable mentions were Anthony Gordon from Everton. He's barely getting any game time because of Richarlison and... Uh, James Rodriguez who I thought was quality at the end of last season 
Then you've got Declan Rice, who we've mentioned before about being a potential £100 million England midfielder. And then Kyle Lamptey, who's been amazing at Brighton so far this season. We're not going to have another dig at Aston Villa because we've had that enough. No, I'll be honest, he was really good against this, Lamptey. I enjoyed watching him. He was quite good. He shouldn't have got sent off at the end. He wasn't a second yellow, but contact was there. Contact was there. Go on, who's next? Got three more teams to do. Cool. I'll go oh, next. I've got Dean Henderson in goal. Obviously, he was uh, really good when he was on loan at uh, Sheffield. Um, but right now, I don't think he's going to break into the Man United team because uh, David De Gea, I think we've spoken. Yeah, it looks like he's coming back on form, isn't it? He's, he's got that challenge now. He's just world-class. I don't know any better word to use there. Then I've got Gomez. Um, you know, he's a really solid defender. Um, and then I've got the same, the same front three as Raheel. I've got Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood. And I don't need to go into detail why I've chosen these three because they picked themselves, really. Um, so, yeah, that's my team. So that's Dean Henderson, Gomez, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood. That's basically an England vibe aside as well. You look yeah, at it that way. Go on, who's next? Cool. So I'll, I'll go next then. So we've got Dean Hendo in goal. Has to be done. I think that was that five. Is that five out of five now? Yeah. Five out of five. And again, Donny to Spain White. Then I've got Trent Alexander Arnold. I'm surprised he's not in anyone's team, but in a five slide team, I think he'll absolutely tear it apart. I, would, um, I don't think so. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, five slide, with him, you wouldn't see well, him. There's the no crossing. Yeah, the reason why I picked Tamori is because he can go up and down. I think Trent, if he's one on one, with like the likes of, let's just say, like Rashford or a Grealish or someone like that, it, he, they're going past him too easily. He's too easily beaten to put it that way. Don't get me wrong, I still think he's brilliant. But I mean, yeah. that's true. I mean, we'll probably have to see on a five-side pitch, but I, I've put him in more for his attacking prowess as well. Um, and then we've got Phil Foden in there. Um, I, I think he can go mm. to be one of the best players around in the world, um, what he's showing us right now. And we've got a front two of Mason Greenwood and Prime Minister MB Dr. Marcus Rashford. It has to be done. So Boris to name Johnston my five. Oh, I thought you said Prime Minister. I mean, there's only one Prime Minister that I know, and that's uh, Marcus Rashford, mate. Uh, but it's Dean Henderson, <laughs> Trent Alexander well, Arnold, Phil. Okay. Can you let me finish? Phil Foden, Mason Greenwood, and Prime Minister MB Dr. Marcus Rashford. That's my five. Can I just quickly say quickly how good it is to see the majority of these are English players. I just want to say I think that's I think it's absolutely amazing to see. No, definitely. I think one good thing we've seen, they probably haven't seen for the past few years in the Prem is a lot of clubs now the youth coming through are English, which obviously can only mean one thing, and that's why we know whenever Gareth Southgate releases a team, everyone's angry because he's got so much to choose from. And obviously, unfortunately for him, he can't play more than eleven players at once. It's, it's a good, it's a good problem to have for Gareth Southgate. Go on, Seth. Name your team. I went with Dean Henderson in goal. I liked him from like two seasons ago. I always said, you know, um, that he's gonna be, he's gonna be some, you know, he's gonna be a top top keeper. And then last season, he proved it at Sheffield. Like he was killing it. And uh, you know, there, there were like, you know, there were a few screams. I think, I think Ari said it once to me. I think. Uh, we should bring him back. At the back, I went with, uh, well, there was a, I had a, I had a three, Gomez, Trent, or Tomori. <laughs> Tomori, yeah? Mm. Not Reese James, not I went, Chelsea. I went, not... I went with Tomori, 
I uh, don't know who Reese James is, man. Sorry? Nothing. Never mind. Carry on. The thing is, I, I like I like Reese James, but I don't know. I felt like giving Tamori a chance to give me because he's been a bench warmer so far. Um, I feel like giving him a chance. <laughs> oh, God. Sam kills it, man. You really on the underground? Staff's taking the piss on this podcast. Staff, your connection is terrible. Didn't hear any of that. Um, okay. So, yeah. At the back, I went with Fikayo Tomori for obvious reasons. He's, he's been a bit of a bench warmer this season, so, you know, give him a, give him a shot. Um, give him a shot on your team, innit? Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a top, top talent. But, um, yeah, he could have been he could have been Trent Alexander-Arnold or Gomez, uh, you know. It could have been either one of them either. Um, then in the centre, I went with uh, Phil Foden. As Rahil already mentioned, the Giza is one silky player, bro. Like, you see him with the ball. And you know the geese is so comfortable. He's he's very very comfortable with the ball. It's like he was born to play this game. Like he's just a naturalist with the ball. Like he, he can he can pick out a pass as well, and he gets assists and he gets goals as well. We've seen what he done with England, um, you know. Um, and when he comes on off the bench for City, he's always making a change, always thinking going forward, going forward. Um, so he's definitely in there. Uh, up front, obviously, I was gonna. Uh, I was thinking about putting Pulisic in there as well until Hamza mentioned him, but then I left it. Um, Why not? He's your own player. You support Chelsea. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I, I, I want, I wanted to follow the. Uh, you know, after thinking about it, I think you know the English talent is is, you know, at the moment unbeatable, unbeatable at the moment. So I went with um, as Rohil says, left foot, right foot, any foot, however he says. Um, Maison Greenwood. I went with Maison Greenwood um, because Mason. obviously yeah, <laughs> Maison, bro. Maison. Maison, bro. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get French. <laughs> first, first, Yan Dad, that Maison. Dad on the podcast, lad. Bro, it's Maison. If you can't say, it, yeah, don't say. It. Just say Greenwood. Um. And the other, the other, the other name obviously has to be for me. I've always liked this guy. It has to be Rashford. Has to be Prime um, Minister MBE, Doctor Rashford. Marcus Rashford, he's one of our own. <laughs> I, I don't know about the doctor bit, but you know, he's a doctor. He's, he's like literally doctorate. a doctorate. Yeah, he's got he's got a doctorate. He's we will just rant yeah. his defence right oh, now. I don't know where you've been. Oh, I just saw you just mentioning it because you know it's you in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a, that's a that's a fair point to be fair. Um, but yeah, uh, I've I've liked him on the pitch and I've liked him even more off the pitch. Uh, don't need to mention why he's done off the pitch, but you know on the pitch, yeah, he's he's brutal. Uh, give him give him the ball in the last quarter, and nine out of ten times he's going to finish it. And you know we've seen the quality of finishes he can do, he can bring as well. So for that reason, he has to be in there. There's no other, there's no other choice. Um, yeah, so that's my five. That's a nice little five there. One thing I will say on Phil Foden, and I think we could do a topic on, on English youngsters in another episode, but I just don't want him to go down that Jack Wilshere route of being overhyped so early from a young age and he's 27, 28 and he's getting loads of injuries and he just doesn't... No, I don't think that would be the case. Plus, with, I think the longer he's got Guardiola as his manager, the, the better he'll become and realise that I think the only thing with Wilshire was there was a lot of pressure and they were just reliant on just him at one point in the midfield. Like as soon as Fabregas yeah. and Nasri left, they were fully dependent on Jack Wilshire. 
with Phil Foden. See, what Guardiola did was good, which, with, which is, whilst he had David Silva there, he had Phil Foden playing games here and there. And obviously, he's born to a stage where now the guy can come on the pitch literally against anybody and put a 10 out of 10 performance. So I think uh, the longer he's got Guardiola in his uh, corner, the better it is for him, obviously, in terms of developing. Um, so, yeah. And we'll see yeah, how that goes. Like the, you never know. He can, he, well. can, he can go down that route where he doesn't perform, obviously, long term when he wants to hit his peak, but it's one of them games, is it? You never know. Yeah, and I think I think what uh, obviously Rio said, you, as long as Guardiola's there, he's going to be his mentor on and off the field. So he's going to make sure everything is tipped up with him because obviously he's got the quality. But with Jack Rocha, someone mentioned Jack Rocha, um, he had a lot of problems off the field as well. That's why I think it affected his career um, on the field. So we won't mention his off the field problems. We don't have time. Nah, or the care for it. I'm not going to mention it. Let's move on. And let's go yeah. to my scouting report, which is like my two-minute scouting report, which I really enjoy doing every week nowadays. So this one, I'm not sure who here follows Portuguese football, but this one's for uh, Benfica's new striker. Anyone know who their new striker is that they bought in September? If you don't, it's fine. I'll gas them up. Oh, but yeah, his, his, name, his name's Darwin Nunes. He's from Uruguay. He's 21 years old, and they signed him, they signed him in September for like £21 million from Almira in Spain. So... Why I'm quite fascinated with him is the fact that he scored, has already scored four goals in Benfica's Europa League campaign. He's got a hat-trick against uh, Lech Poznan. And this week in the Europa League, they're playing Rangers away. And he's already scored against Rangers in their 3-3 draw. The fact that he's getting goals in the Europa League for Benfica is quite a fun sign to see. And he's only 21 years old. Played seven games in the league, scored one goal, he's got five assists. Scored two goals for Uruguay as well. And the fact that Uruguay produced Diego Forlan, Edison Cavani, Luis Suarez in the last few years, they're coming to their end now. Well, Forlan's retired, but Suarez and Cavani are coming to their end. He could be the new face of Uruguayan football for years to come. And again, another episode I want to do is how Portuguese uh, talents in the Portuguese league just grow and grow and grow. Look oh, at yeah, I was just, I was, I was just Silva. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's one of the, it is one of the most known leagues for developing. And if he could be the next big thing, that'd be fantastic because I remember when I went to the Benfica Stadium on my trip to Lisbon with my friend, we went to see the stadium and the Jao Felix's T-shirt there, shirt. And then the next season, he was gone. Went to Atletico Madrid for an amazingly expensive fee. Man City clearly liked shopping in Benfica as well. Uh, Diaz, Bernardo Silva, uh, Edison as well. So Guardiola clearly sees some talent in Benfica, which is really good to see. But yeah, Victor, Darwin. Victor Lindelof, mate, you're missing him. Love Lindelof. Absolute legend. Lindelof. Did we sign someone else from Benfica once upon a time? No, man, no we didn't sign Matic from there directly. Yeah, Matic, well, he, he was so from, Matic, from their couple of players. I think with us, it's mainly been that link with the Sporting Lisbon. Obviously, yeah. Ronaldo. Nani, Across the city. Bruno. Ronaldo, Bruno. Nani, Bruno. We've got Anderson as well from Porto. So, yeah, man. Uh, it's just one of those things. So hopefully Darwin can develop his... They're playing a 4-4-2 formation. So if he plays with his strike partner, Seferovic, who's their top scorer at the moment, Benfica, then who knows by this time next year, he's playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona, Man City yeah. even, replacing Aguero perhaps. Yeah, that's my two-minute scouting review. Go on, sir. So I was just going to say, uh, before you end your scouting report, doesn't Portugal play in the Premier League? You what? Doesn't Portugal play in the Premier League? You're talking about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought I thought your signal was going again. 
I, I think that one went over your head. <laughs> it did because they shop at Porto, uh, Wolverhampton. They literally shop at Porto. Don't they have like? Don't they have like eight Portuguese players there? Probably like, more than that right now. Man. Or something like that. Yeah, more. We got yeah, there a week ago as well, which is fantastic. It's literally like a yeah. an off the cuff type shot at Portugal. Yeah. To end the conversation this week, we wanted to talk about how Jose Mourinho has got Tottenham to first place. This wait, week. wait, 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 Hamza, Hamza. If you're going to introduce that person that you just mentioned, you've got to introduce him properly. His full name, Jose. I hope you listen to this one day. So, we're going to talk about... No, 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 let's scratch that. Vish is going to introduce it. Go on, Vish, you introduce this man that we're talking about. We're going to talk about Mr. Jose Mario de Santos Mourinho Felix, the Tottenham Hotspur manager and where he has taken Tottenham in one year. So I'll start things off. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm a huge Jose Mourinho fan, and I believe he should have he should have never been sacked by Manchester United. Um, but don't want to talk about that. We're going to talk about Tottenham Hotspur and what he's done in the space of a year. Now, if you ask any Tottenham fan when he was signed, um, Jose Mourinho, they all would have said, we don't like him due to his links with, obviously, Chelsea um, and his managed Man United, which are, you know, rivals with, uh, with Tottenham. And, you know, they say he's finished and he, he's got nothing left in him. Um, well, as you can t- see, Tottenham Hotspur are sitting on the top of the Premier League. At this point in time. At this point in time, on the 23rd of November, 2020. Um, that's because, you know... He's, he's, he's still a brilliant manager and I just don't understand why, you know, people don't like him. Um, and I know he does silly things, you know, he attacks his players in the media. Um, he, he says stupid things and sometimes you look at him and you're like, why is he not smiling? Or, you know, it's, it's just Jose, let him be who he is because that's the way he's going to bring success to the club. And he's done that at every single club he's been at. And I don't need to go into his history um, because I know everyone knows his history. Um, I just feel that, you know, Tottenham, do I think they're going to win the league? Honestly speaking, I don't because, again, this is something we touched on before. They're playing Europa League. So they're playing on a Thursday and then they're playing on a Sunday. And I just think, you know, injuries will hit them and they'll lose key players at key moments throughout the season, which will see them drop off. Um, But, do I see the, on, on the yes. sorry to interrupt, but on the flip side, don't you think obviously with him he had a lot of injury problems at Spurs last season? Yes. Also on the flip side from that, don't you think he's got enough depth now to be able to rest players like Harry Kane, Hun Min Son? When for example, let's say they've got a big game on the weekend, which they've got this weekend as well, and also Europa League's back. So will we see Harry Kane or Son play on Thursday for them in the Europa League or will Mourinho be thinking, I've got Vinicius, I've got Bale as well? I'll give them to a run out. Worst case scenario, we're not winning the game. Last 20 minutes, we'll chuck Son on, we'll chuck Kane. In my way, kind of benefit from him. But don't get me wrong, I do, I do see what you're saying, as in Europa League football can make it harder for you to challenge for the title. Um, but yeah, I'll just on the flip side. It might work out beneficial to him now that he's got a bit more squad debt. Yeah, might do, but you know, I just, I just feel like that that's the way it will work out because you know Tottenham have a history of you know flopping things and I still think they're not there yet yeah um, I agree uh, Mourinho still I needs, disagree 
I'll explain my way. In I, a I still think Mourinho needs a bit more time with that team. And one thing I don't understand is when you know pundits attack him. Um, but I mean, throughout his United career, career, he didn't even do anything, and he got attacked by you know he was attacked by pundits. Um, even United pundits, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, um, you know, just having a go at him. But then on the flip side, when Oli gets a bad result, Oli never gets any criticism. Stare, mate, that's why. We're not making him. this about Man United, but, but, but yeah. Okay, okay, I've, I've gone off track, but um, I think Mourinho gets a, a lot of unfair criticism. And I think for this week, he's even got touchline ban. Um, or stadium ban or something like that for Tottenham's Europa League game because they stopped, he was late to kick off or something. But he's probably done that on purpose, knowing Jose Mourinho. He's done that on purpose so he can send his number two and prepare for Chelsea on the weekend, which is a proper yeah. Jose Mourinho. You know Mourinho. what? Which is actually, you know what? That's a fair it's point. A proper Jose Mourinho thing to do. Yeah. You know what comes to mind? You know what comes to mind? Say that. I think it was a Champions League game. Uh, he got uh, Sergio Ramos and Javi Alonso purposely. Uh, red carded, so they they'd be they'd have a clean slate for the I think the semi finals and onwards. Yeah, therefore, Jose Mourinho thing to do. You see, that is one. I love thing. it, man. I love it. I think I think that is one thing, but it does um, for some reason get a lot of criticism, which is I think with that stick as well. Me, it's probably it's probably something that spares Jose Mourinho on. Yeah, for me, I would. If I was in his shoes, I'd, I'd do the same. But yeah, sorry to interrupt, Hamza. Go on. No, no, it's just I'm on the flip side of uh, Vish. I disagree. I think Spurs will actually get somewhere this season because of Jose Mourinho. I think that's someone that they've been missing in their manage, in their managers for years because, what, 2008 was the last time they won a cup competition. And I'm really passionate about thinking that Tottenham Hotspur will win rather an FA Cup, a League Cup or a Europa League. They will challenge for the league this season because I think they've got the squad depth to do it and they've got the Jose Mourinho squad depth to do it because he's chosen the players. And I think... Uh, Pierre Holberg is one of the signings of the season I think having a midfield general like him at a club like Tottenham where you don't have to have all of your wingers tracking back and you look at when they used to have Ali and Ericsson and Lamella as their midfield free they're attacking free compared to now when you've got what Son probably Bergwijn and then you've got Ndombele who's back on form as well we're not going to talk about how Pogba didn't play for Mourinho or this that and the other in the last years Undumbele has come back from being uh, criticised verbally in the press by everyone, by Jamie Carragher, by Mourinho from that game against Burnley last season to being a predominant member of their team. And it allows Harry Kane, it allows Son, and it will eventually allow Gareth Bale to be the players that they can be. And if you can see from that Amazon documentary when he was like, oh, I want to help you explode. I want to help you get to the Ronaldo and to the Messi stages. We're not sure if you ever will. But even if he does it for two, three seasons in a row with Mourinho there, gets Harry Kane, not just golden boot, but gets him an FA Cup, gets him a League Cup. And we all know Jose Mourinho focuses on the League Cup first. That's why he played such a strong team against Chelsea in that week that you mentioned when they had four games in a row. Saf will tell you when, they were at, um, when he was at Chelsea, they won the League Cup when he was there in both of his terms. We will tell you as Man United fans, he won the League Cup in his first season because he prioritised it. He wants to get trophies. Every trophy matters, man. There's no, there's no such thing as a Mickey Mouse trophy. Every when you, when you're, when you want to be a big football club, every single trophy matters. And one of the things that I loved about Jose Mourinho the most is his persona. For me, he was 
in my opinion, anyway, he was like the perfect manager for Man United. He had the persona. He's got like he's got the big corners. You know what I mean? He's got the balls to manage big football clubs. That was Jose Mourinho, and I miss it. I miss his press conferences. When he when he's the kind of guy when he walks into a room, yeah, you you can you can feel it, and that's what a real leader is. When when they walk into a room, you can feel that energy. You look at them and you think, okay, this guy is someone big. This guy is a guy who leads, right? But when, I mean, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Oligan Solskjaer for what he's done for Man United, more so as a player. And I, I'm never going to keep bashing him as a Man United uh, manager. But you know, when you're a manager of Man United, you need to have that persona. You need to have that character. You need to have that like that. That energy and and Jose Mourinho had that, and that's why you know when he was Man United manager, I think I think a lot of us took it for granted. Jose Mourinho is the maverick. End of story. Yeah, he's someone yeah. that will, yeah, he's, he steals the show wherever he goes. It's not yeah. always about Man United or Tottenham or Chelsea. It's Jose Mourinho and his team. He did yeah. that at Real Madrid, and he got them uh, the La Liga. He got us to the Europa League, and it's just the fact that I love when, like, even at the time, I knew he was right. When you look at how he said. <laughs> I got Man United to second and that's probably my biggest achievement. Not his best, but his biggest achievement because of that team that we had and of the way he didn't get, he didn't get rid of the dead wood. In that FA Cup final that we played against Chelsea, we lost. He hadn't lost a cup final in years, but he lost because he had Smalling and Jones at the back. He had an off-form Sanchez, Lingard and Rashford as our front three. And you Can just I wanted... just add to that? Can I just add to that? In that add season, it. back four, Valencia, Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, Ashley Young. And two, and, we had two wings and as two fullbacks. In the Premier League, we conceded only 28 goals in the whole season. Sorry, Saf. It's Vistats this week. Vistats is doing it for us this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he, he's, he's the kind of manager, yeah, I would literally want to die for on the pitch. He's the, exactly the manager that I would want. So I just don't understand. Like, if they were playing that Man United team, I, I remember Alexis Sanchez... Um, cryptically on his Instagram was happy uh, the day after um, Jose Mourinho le- left he mm. went into training and he cryptically you know was like he enjoyed it I don't understand as a player how can you cannot love that kind of manager how you cannot want to be under that kind of manager like, exactly I just don't understand I don't understand like, exactly I don't understand. some players are like like... fairy, fairy like they live in a fairy yeah. tale world I think I'm quite passionate about how managers are perceived this day and age because you see players talking to their agents about, oh, get me out of this club because this is my, my new manager. I don't want to be with him. But when you look at how Spurs have dealt with, well, not Spurs, but how the players have dealt with him, Deli Ali isn't getting into the team anytime soon. He's, he's probably sunk instead of swam. Serge Aurier, who wasn't in the best of forms, has become an amazing player. He's a player Excellent that you see. against City. You see him. You see him like you see him on FIFA, basically, just with all of his stats going up. He's fantastic. Serge Regulon was a fantastic signing. They have that buyback clause in in there, so if he leaves, he leaves. But for the time that is there now, fantastic as the wing back. And you've got players like again, I mentioned Holberg. I love the guy. Even Joe Hart bringing in experience as a backup goalkeeper. And he wanted that dirty player, didn't he? And he and he got that in Holberg. And he's teaching Sissoko around him to be a bit more like that. Harry Winks a bit more is keeping out of the team and is. He could probably have done with Ericsson staying there, I would say, because Ericsson is someone of, more of a luxury player now because he's not playing at Inter Milan. But imagine Ericsson with Son on the left, Bale on the right, Kane up front. Yeah, but I see, I think that's where he's done very good. 
He's obviously Ericsson wanted to go, but what has he done? He's got Harry Kane to drop a bit, which has brought another dimension to Harry Kane's game. Harry Kane said himself in his interview after the Burnley game, he goes, the manager wants me to drop a bit. He goes, at first, you're probably not happy with it, but he goes, when you realise it suits him more, like now, Harry Kane drops a bit, Lucas Moura, Huminson, they can push on. And look how many goal contributions to Spurs there have been between just Huminson and from Harry Kane. It just goes to show you, as if even if like Harry Kane, he's, he knows himself he's a number nine all these years he's been. And when Mourinho's coming in and saying, listen, you're not going to be playing up front every game. We're going to need you to drop a bit more deeper. Normally, a player would either a player is going to go two ways. He's going to listen to the manager and go with it and perform, or he's going to, on the flip side, he's just not going to agree with the manager. He's going to sulk. And then he's going to end up sitting on the bench, going into the media, saying to his agent, I want to leave, which we've seen happen with other players. And let's be honest, Mourinho, wherever he's gone, he's at the mentality where I want to win. He's never gone into any game or with any plan for, I don't want to win this game. So this is why I don't understand why do, why do the players not buy into what he's saying? If he has a proven track record of everywhere he's gone, he has won the league. This is before Manchester. Everywhere he went, he had won the league. Why would you not buy into him? This is what I don't understand. That, yeah. That's the that's the thing. That's that's the question to raise, isn't it? That obviously, uh, like you said, every team he's gone to um, has bought into his idea. So so he's explained it, and they've bought into his idea. So they they trust the process. But and you just think about then, it now. Let's just say Spurs go on to win the title. How silly are the United players in that United ball going to look? Excellent. Everywhere, everywhere he's gone, he's won. He didn't go to Man United to win the league, but he went to Spurs, won the same league, and he won the league with them. How silly is that Man United ball going to look? Yeah. How, how silly did Man United look against Spurs? How silly did the there fans look on, online? Literally, I, I, in a way, I'm a Man United fan, but in a way, I expected they would beat us, but not that, but not by that much. Jose was just like. Just be ruthless with him. I don't care. He would have loved it if there was a seventy-five thousand capacity stadium, full, um, and he could. He wouldn't have gone against the fans because he knew the fans wanted him. Remember when he went back last uh, season, and the fans were still applauding him because and he was waving they, in the studio. He, he still appreciated it because he he knew the fans appreciated it. It was the board that got rid of him. Yeah. But again, 100%. you can tell how passionate I'm about how what a leader looks like with Jose Mourinho compared to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I'm not going to bash Solskjaer like. Arif, but it's, uh, we're both on that same wavelength of not giving him any criticism. But Jose Mourinho was a step above any manager we've had since Alex Ferguson. Because for me, Mourinho, Van Gaal, Solskjaer, Moyes, then that was it really. Oh, you want to trust Moyes as a bloody manager for us? I just love the fact that he got us to the quarterfinals and Van Gaal couldn't do that. He was the chosen one, but... In the end, he was there. Something, it was something else, man. One final question. Who here thinks Spurs will win a trophy? I definitely think they'll win a trophy. This no, season. I think they'll win a trophy. I, wouldn't say I think they'll win a trophy because... I think they'll um, win a trophy. I think you can see that mentality changing. Mm. I think you can see their mentality changing. And that, that is obviously scary. But you can see that. You saw it in the documentary. Their mentality is changing. And once that changes, anything can happen, man. I'm not too much of a fan of that documentary. I think the documentary can I, I show what it. you want to show. It was a great trick to watch, but it was yeah. obviously handled by Tottenham executives to make them look like a puff piece, basically. Like everything yeah. is how Daniel Levy wants it to yeah. look like, not what the real story is all the time. Sorry, Saf, you were saying, do you reckon Spurs will win a trophy this season? Yeah, I mean, yeah you were saying, it? obviously, the, uh, you know, the, they're going to make it look like that because, you know, they, they want to they sell it as well, isn't it? But, yeah. um, 
Yeah. When you follow, the thing is, yeah, I'll give an example at when he was at Chelsea. You know, he bought uh, he bought a lot of players as well, but he knew that these players will follow my process. They will follow exactly, exactly what I say. At the end of the day, I will win the league for them. And if you look at, if you look at, uh, I think it was the second, uh, the first league that uh, uh, he won the um, title with Chelsea. They weren't big wins, one nil wins. Like a lot of them were one nil wins, but he made sure that they were going to win the league, and and the players uh, trusted him. He trusted his players, and that's why he made you know like you know he he literally made John Terry's career you know at Chelsea and Frank Lampard's career. He bought. He he instilled his idea idea into these players, and I think at United one of the problems was where um, someone mentioned egos, and I think I think that is obviously when when the clash. Obviously Mourinho wanted his way, but the players wanted to play free football, but they didn't realize that if we play his way, he's guaranteed going to win us. Not even like 80% chance of winning, he's guaranteed going to win you something. It wasn't just and the players, it, though. It was these pundits as well, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, you know, when they speak... Can I say something? Yeah. He, he, does not, he does not give a sh- damn about whatever pundit says. He will attack them back. We've seen this. He will attack them, whether it's Roy Keane, Rio Ferdinand or whoever, he will attack them back. But the only thing is, he don't listen to none of this external stuff. He just wants the team to play the way he wants it. His idea, no other way. But if you don't follow it, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed, are you? Sorry, that's what annoyed me the most as a Man United fan. I'm pretty sure the rest of us will agree that Jose Mourinho going into a Man United team without with Van Gaal leaving, only a handful of players should have had the ego on them. Players like Rooney or De Gea or um, one or two others that have been there and done that and won leagues. Players like again Pogba or Lingard or Rashford. I don't know. I'm not gonna name any other names, but just like. People like that shouldn't have had an ego because they hadn't won a league at Man United. They hadn't done this, they hadn't done that. Jose Mourinho had done that and has done that countless times in different countries. If they literally followed his lead, even if the board followed his lead properly in that third season, he wouldn't have left in December. If he was given that extra defender and if he could have sold the deadwood in that team, proper, had proper fullbacks, like Vish alluded to, not having wingers as fullbacks, Look at how Spurs are doing fantastic at the moment and look how we're doing it right now. We're again playing catch-up with the rest of the league every season. So I would love it if he stayed on the podcast, but he had to leave early. But yeah, that's yeah, my final word on Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's, uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. I say his name properly, man. No, you say <laughs> the name. Jose Mario de Santos Mourinho Felix. I think that's the title of episode five. Okay, seeing as we're on the... Topic of that, let's get a quick prediction for Sunday's game. Then we got Chelsea and Tottenham at Stamford Bridge. Mourinho goes back to his old stomping ground. What do you reckon, lads? I think, I think, um, two, two. Bear in, mind both, bear in mind, both are coming off good results on both top of the table, both towards the top of the table. So it's a very, very big game. Two, Even two. early on. Two, two, you're going with? I think the are going annoying for, uh, for, uh, for Tottenham. Sorry. I think he'll have to rest his main players. It will be two, two. I think uh, Ch- Chelsea have got too many snowflakes in there, so I'm going to go with 3-0 Tottenham. No, that's a big one, mate. I'm going to say 1-0 Tottenham. Go on, Seth, you're the Chelsea uh, fan. Yeah, it, it, it could be. You know, he's coming back, so uh, I'm not going to even, I'm not gonna even deny that, what, what Vish said. It could be 1-0 uh, Tottenham. 
or it's going to be 2 0 Chelsea. You're a Chelsea fan. Why are you sitting on the fence? I'm, I'm not sitting on the right fence. Now. I'm being, I'm being, no, no, it's about being real. You get me? It's about being real. You got to look at what you got. You got to back your team. Typical, typical rent boy, right here. No, no, not even, bro. Not even, bro. Or you got? Have you? Or have you thinking about City on the weekend instead of Chelsea? I'm not. I'm not going to sell myself. You know, just to you know, um, I don't know, get a few credentials here and there. But you know, um, I'm going to speak what I got to speak. Like it could, it could go either way because both teams are playing top, top football. We've seen what Chelsea's doing. You know. Uh, Mendy's only letting I don't know one goal in the last nine or that's, uh, that's the point I was going to come to because you haven't had my prediction yet and I was going to say it's going to be 2-1 to Chelsea and you'll see this weekend everyone's running them off for you what you got to realise is since that keeper's come in he's made a massive difference to that team they were leaking goals they were literally literally teams used to come to Stamford Bridge and think you know what we get five shots on target with Kepler in goal we're going to score two three of them now bro, they've got bro, bro. good at organising West Brom come three uh, three goals against Chelsea. They just exactly. about clawed back to a draw. That's, and look, that's at, look at Mendy. As soon as Mendy come in, he's organised the defence, changed everything. Well, I just think, obviously, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I know we've been bigging Jose Mourinho up for the past, God knows how long, like 30, 40 minutes or whatever, but I think Chelsea <laughs> are going to get three points. Yeah, that's it's either, yeah. Two, one, 2 1 Chelsea, and you're going to see Werner back both of them. Yes, we'll see. I, I think we'll see if that makes Tottenham like proper title contenders as well. If they can go yep. to Stamford Bridge, yeah, and win. that's true. No, that's true. It's a big test for both clubs. Definitely. And Lampard's won against Mourinho a few times already in his managerial yeah. career. Yeah. And then because we've got Man United fans on, do you reckon we'll beat Southampton away, who have been flying this season? They've been amazing. I reckon. Uh, should I be honest with you? I will put it out here. I think we're going to beat them. They're playing away from home. Our away form has been brilliant, and I don't understand why. And how it's been better than our home form. But I'm going to go with the 2-1 two, two, Man United win there as well. I'm going 4-0 uh, Man United. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> nah, I'll be 1-0 one, one Bruno Fernandes, as you do. Penalty, yes. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I want to have another one. Come on, Fernandes. Just put him as captain, as your fantasy football captain. Get the penalty, clean sheet. It's all good. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 United. I think um, playing away from home, for some reason, you know, we just... We... We've we've got that formula ticked. It's just at home. We're just an awful watch. And Saturday game was a very very hard watch. I'm not even thinking about the weekend. I'm thinking about uh, Champions League tomorrow. Oh yeah, Champions League. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah we need yeah. to avenge that defeat. We need to avenge. We're that at defeat. home, aren't we? Definitely. Yeah. I think if we win. Yeah, we win right. tomorrow. We win tomorrow, and I think if we get a draw against uh, Leipzig, um, we're through to the last sixteen. So let's see. Nice dude. Let's get it. I think that's a good way to end episode five. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Sal, for being back from your... Well, Sal was yeah. subbed at half-time, basically. He's still recovering from COVID. But no, you want to watch Bradford. You want to watch Bradford FC. Yeah. But no, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you boys as well. We'll see you all very soon. Thank you very much. And you anyone else want to say? Peace. Peace out. Take care. Adios. Man United are the greatest. <laughs> <laughs>